G'day guys and welcome back to another episode of the Bradley J Driver Experience, the future number one podcast in the world we hope and that's what we're working for. It is your host Bradley J Driver. I'm super excited for today, I'm going to announce our guest in a moment but I just want to say if you've been listening, whether this be the first or one of many that you've tuned into, thank you so much. It's you guys, the audience that keeps this show alive and thriving and you can continue to show your support by hitting the all important follow or subscribe button leaving a five-star rating and a raving review on Apple Podcast app. It just helps us grow. We want you to share this with friends. The more people that are listening, the more we have a chance to inspire and change their lives positively. And I think that's what today is going to do. I've been excited for this episode. We booked it about a month ago. This is, I think, a very relevant topic at the current, but a topic that we're tackling a little differently to what we've ever done before on the podcast. I'm here with an exceptional woman. She's built an incredible business called Beautiful Minds, built it here in Australia, taken it to the US, and it's all about tackling mental fitness in our youth and adolescence, building resilience and building the right headspace to move into adulthood and take on life and just get everything out of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with the amazing Marina Casolaris. And you got the surname right. Well I had to, I studied. I've done some research because <laughs> I always find I go into these and I, I love to know people's pronunciation of their names correctly. Well, you, that is a first. I've done that many radio interviews where people never get it right. So well done you. I appreciate yeah, everyone it. Everyone leave them a five-star review. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a driver, so everyone goes Dryberg. Yeah, yeah. They always mess my last name up. So I've always appreciated someone who knows the, the knows pronunciation. Knows how to say it. Exactly. There you go. It's incredible to be here. We're here in your home. Um, I want to thank you for inviting us here to do this in person. You know, as we spoke about, it's always nice to sit face to face, build that connection. We've just had a great chat for the last 20 minutes and got to know each other a little bit. And I'm excited for this because, you know, one thing that I take a lot of pride in with this show and with this podcast is the ability to have really powerful conversations. Mm -hmm. And I've always said that the motto for this is conversation is powerful and it can change your life. Mm -hmm. And I know there'll be a lot of parents, a lot of child um, childcare workers Mm -hmm. that are listening into this today and just hoping to write down a heap of tips and notes. Great. But also people who are maybe in those stages of their life where maybe I know there are a few teens that listen to this, but also a lot of adults who will still take something really powerful from this. Mm -hmm. Explain Mm -hmm. to the audience a little bit what you've built with Beautiful Minds and I want to, I guess, elaborate on that a little bit more and go into what inspired and motivated action to build that business. So um, I started Beautiful Minds almost 17 years ago and it was really never, the intention was never to build it as a business. It was, uh, for me, a, a huge need in the market that wasn't there So you can imagine 17 years ago, there was no headspace. There was no um, organizations going into schools and having these conversations. And at the time, I was working for uh, a really well-known modeling agency. And we were having all these young people coming in and um, we were, you know, sending, sending them out for photo shoots and jobs. But no one was having the conversation around mental health, how were they handling things. And at the time, I was really young. So as a young model booker, what I was exposed to was all these predominantly girls at the time coming to me and talking about the fact that they had an eating disorder, that they were self-harming, that they got to a casting and they had a major panic attack. And, you know, I suffered severely with anxiety when I was younger. And so for a really long time, I I sat with um, with this concept of why are we not talking about how we're feeling internally? 
And I went to the modeling agency owner and I said, look, I've got this amazing idea. What we're going to do is we're going to create this really cool product um, and it's going to be a workshop that our people can come to, all, all of our models can come to. They can get completely equipped with life skills, confidence, um, really supported in terms of how to deal with overwhelm, how to feel motivated. And then we can send them out for castings and they're going to be so much more uh, equipped and, and much better customers for or much better um, talent for us. And, uh, and the agency owner turned around and just said, look, I'm really actually not that interested in how they feel internally. They just need to be beautiful and they just need to do what they're doing. Okay. So I think the concept of, of mental health, the concept of really understanding how you're feeling in order to make great change in your life was just so foreign 17 years ago. So I was up against a lot when I started. Schools were absolutely not interested in, in, in having us in in their environment because for them it was just about um, the marks the kids were getting and and you know were they attending or were they not attending and there wasn't yet that clarity around the fact that there was this really direct correlation between mental health and and whether kids was, were succeeding in school and so I just started small I started with um, some weekend and school holiday workshops and, uh, and a girlfriend of mine at the time was working for a really big Brisbane newspaper because at the time I was living in Brizzy. And uh, she did a big media story on the launch of Beautiful Minds. And I mean, I wasn't prepared. I had no logo, no website. I hadn't done a business plan. I just kind of thought about it and started writing down some ideas. Um, and she directed them to my home phone number. And the phone rang completely. I think for two weeks, I was just inundated just getting back to people. How does so that feel? Was, well, I just, I knew that there was a need. And I think for me at the time, it was never for probably the first three or four years, it was never the plan that it was going to evolve into the enormous business that, that it is today. It was really just about, I wanted to serve people and I wanted to give back to my community. Um, and I wanted to have conversations that we weren't having. Um, and so that was the only thing that I was focused on. I was working two, three jobs at the time just to kind of, you know, keep, keep the food on the table and, and pay that. rent. Yeah, yeah. And you have to do it, right? Yeah, you do. And, um, and you're also, I can imagine now, very proud looking back and understanding. I think it, it proves purpose. If you know you're doing what's right, you do whatever you have to do to make sure it survives. Listen, when you, when you work in a yogurt factory and you get up at three in the morning to go and manually pipe yogurt, which is what I did for many years, yeah. I worked in the factory from 4 a.m. until 8 a.m., would come home, shower, and then be in the office, and I'm putting that in inverted commas because it was a spare room, um, and then work from nine until five, and you do that six or seven days a week. Um, you do what you have to do in order to um, get where you need to go because you've got a passion. I love that. I love hearing that because I'm in that journey right now. So yeah. I connect really well to that. I want to go back to what you just said in your opening there and, and explaining to us how this all began. What It's funny. I had a conversation. I can't remember what number episode it was now, but with a very good friend of mine, Kira Jones, who is an internationally signed model. She's over in London at the moment. And in her episode, we spoke about this notion of it is such an image um, driven business, of course. Yeah. But her thing was, I'm more than the face in the photo. Mm. I'm more than just the girl that has to rock up to the shoots or the castings and, and get the job and market the product. There is a, a mind here. Mm. There is an internal being that I want to support and I want to make sure I'm healthy internally too. And we really had a speak and a, a conversation, I should say, about those struggles. Mm. And I think it's just incredible to see you pick that up 
so early on in the piece and build something from it. Then hearing you speak about the schools, and I guess I'll, I'll see what you think about this, but my thought process is in a time now where we're a little bit more comfortable, we're definitely addressing the conversation as much as we can around mental fitness and mental health. Do you think back then the notion was if we don't address it, maybe it's not here. It doesn't belong. Yeah, it doesn't belong in our school. If we introduce it, maybe it exposes itself. And there's still schools that don't want to really address it. And I think the biggest problem, you know, one of the things that I fought really hard with, um, and I've been into Parliament House trying to fight this, and, and we're still not getting anywhere, is that mental health, mental fitness, whatever you want to call it, needs to be standardized across the board. You cannot send in which is what's happening at the moment, 150 different organisations or guest speakers that are all um, giving really fluffy content to our children. We need to take the work that we do in this space really seriously and standardise it with the best, best quality people in the world to deliver that content into schools because what's happening at the moment is schools are addressing it, but... There's no quality control. So schools yeah. could get in a mental health speaker who's just got a personal experience, which is great from a storytelling point of view. But where are the tools? Where are the strategies? Where do the kids go after they've heard that story to be able to make improvements in their own world? And so I went into Parliament House last year and I spoke to Dan Tien and I spoke to a couple of our, of our other politicians and I just said, Maths and English and history are standardised. Mental health needs to be standardised across the board. And we're not there yet. And so for me, it's a huge frustration because I think that the school system is um, is broken badly. I love that you said that. It's something I've spoken about at length with a lot of my close friends and a lot of these guests. We're a little bit old school. We haven't. It's one of those things in our society. So much has changed, yet the system that creates these kids early on and is so influential to the children at school Mm. hasn't changed it hasn't adapted for the times we're in and and the way that the world's moving and as you were saying you know talking about those standardized subjects I was sitting and thinking as someone who loved sport and still does Mm. physical health Mm. was a standard weekly and you know topical subject as well Mm. as physically in the way you studied it Mm. but there's nothing about mental health no and so you're encouraged to stay healthy because you do sports, but yeah. where is the where is the mind health? Where does that component fit in? Um, and I just think, yeah, I think that the school system is very much like a factory. You clock in and you clock out, um, and it, it just doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and, and we're not we're not seeing an improvement. You know, we've got the Australian government funding millions and millions of dollars um, towards organisations, uh, you know, for for mental health, but yet. We've never had higher suicide rates. So that tells you that, that, that something's not working. You know, if you look at a business, if I were to look at Beautiful Minds and I was putting millions of dollars into Beautiful Minds but we weren't getting the results, I would say that something's broken within Beautiful Minds and needs to be fixed. And we're not looking at it in the same way. And that's, that, for me, is very frustrating. Um, and it just makes us work even harder with what we're doing at Beautiful Minds to be able to try and support as many kids as possible because we just don't feel that they're getting adequate support uh, when they're going to school. How do you think that starts? Where does the conversation begin? And I know if I've done my research correctly, Beautiful Minds specifically works with kids between the age of 8 and 17. Correct, yes. Um, yeah. Is that an age you've identified as, I guess, understanding a little bit of what's happening here? But 
also being able to take in that information and start to apply it to their lives? Mm, look, it's it's really interesting. We, um, we've we got a, an amazing global uh, team of experts that we've just started working with. And it's everyone from Stanford University to Harvard to the world's uh, leading neuroscientist, Dr. Andrew Huberman, to the world's leading trauma expert, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, and they're all working with us at the moment. And, you know, we've identified as a group that actually between the ages of seven and 11, is when a young person really um, gets the tools to be able to have what we call a success identity. Um, and if they are, you know, if they're not really well um, grounded and they don't have the tools and they don't feel secure by the age of 11, you'll start to see some really big problems as they move into adolescence. Yeah. And so we're actually starting to make our workshops uh, slightly younger from next year. So we are starting to um, support the seven-year-olds as well. But I think the earlier that we can, st- you know, the earlier that we can start with this information, you know, if you can teach a three and four year old to just sit and breathe, they don't understand the concept of meditation and yeah. mindfulness. But it's just getting some daily rituals into their world so they feel calmer. Definitely, you know, I'm a massive Gary V fan. Oh yeah, and I was love Gary. I was hearing a lot about what you're saying there and. You know, one thing he says a lot, and I, I really hear it because I, I grew up, like we spoke about before, in a really mm. supportive, just amazing family. Building self-esteem at such a young age, you know, I laugh and, and quite often I hear him talk about how he thought at the age of 15 he was the best looking, smartest guy at school because <laughs> his mum told him that every day. Yeah. Well, every yeah. time I post a photo on IG, mum tells me I'm beautiful. She tells me I'm the best looking Blake in Wollongong. I love it. But it's that self-esteem that you build around, you know, the relationship with your dad and your mom and your siblings at home, mm. but also your friends at school. Mm. And you probably spend more time with the friends at school and the people in that environment than yeah. you do with the people at home, mm. just because of the way our system works. Mm. Mm. And I guess we're now seeing those issues expose themselves. And you said the rate of suicide has increased with all the spending, I think. The highest it's ever been. Mm. We've seen now, mm. you know, mental health kills people younger than any physical health issues do mm. in the most cases. And, you know, that's why I'm loving what you're doing. And it's amazing to hear that the business has expanded to work with all of these professionals in mm. fields that I probably wouldn't be able to wrap my head around. But talk to me about the way the business has grown. Starts here in Australia. Have you always been here in New South Wales in Sydney? No. So I started the business uh, on the Sunshine Coast and it was very much, it was a a hobby. So I was kind of bouncing between the sunny coast and Brisbane. And then I had a a wild idea for a really big uh, event that I wanted to host where I wanted to have thousand teenagers into a conference, a kind of big conference room um, and have rock bands and um, makeup bars and gift bags and celebrities come and actually share their stories. And this was probably about nine or 10 years ago that I had this vision for this this uh, this day that I wanted to create and uh, the day was called BU Day and so I rang the editor of Girlfriend magazine and it was still an in-print magazine at the time and I said look I've got this this fab idea and I want to create this huge event and no one was doing those kind of cool events for teens Um, and no one was was thinking about pairing up celebrities with mental health and actually getting them to talk 10 years ago. We just weren't doing that. Um, Instagram hadn't started, you know, I don't even know Facebook had started. And um, so she just said to me, look, I love the idea. We would love to partner with you, but you have to be living in Sydney to do it because that's where we would, we would want to host it. Um, And so at the time, it's funny how the world sort of works. I just 
kind of come out of a long-term relationship um, and I just had this opportunity to, to, to move to Sydney and I'd never ever in my wildest dreams ever thought that I would live in Sydney. Um, I'm a country girl at heart. I love small, smaller places. Yeah. But I made the move for for the business and I came here, I didn't know a single person. We didn't have an office here. We had no staff here whatsoever. The business was very much still in what I would define as very early stages. Um, and I moved here and I you know, kept doing the Beautiful Minds workshops in the school holidays, started BU Day with Girlfriend Magazine and it just grew and grew. Um, and the last year that we had it, we had uh, 1,200 young people oh, attend, wow. which, was, which was pretty big. And, uh, you know, it's just now today we've got 85 uh, presenters that work for Beautiful Minds. Um, we've got a team of 15 full-time staff. Uh, everyone's working from home at the moment, which I think everyone's loving. And we've opened up a non-for-profit in the U.S. So the, the plan for next year is we are launching something super exciting, uh, which, will be, which will be global and which will be digital and will be like unlike anything anyone's seen before. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited to hear that. I did yeah. see that you'd expanded and you had been spending a bit of time in the US, yeah? A lot of time in the US. Um, I, look, I love LA um, I love and I love the States. I think there's a really positive energy that comes with, with that place. So we, you know, um, yeah, we do get over there quite a lot. And we, a lot of our, our global experts are based over there. So we've been um, working really closely with a guy called Fred Fuchs, um, who came through my, my partner, Brendan Radmakers, uh, used to work for Warner Brothers. He, he was a brilliant uh, producer and, and screenwriter. Um, he went to Stanford University, so he spent many years living in, in L.A., and he became really good friends with a guy called Fred Fuchs. And Fred created all the Godfather movies, which was super, super, oh, wow. yeah, super well known. And he worked with um, George Lucas and Francis Ford Coppola and is just a well-known uh, producer in the States. And, you know, he's won... 11 Academy Awards for his work and so we're working with Fred at the moment to create this digital platform to make it really amazing and really um, just fantasy something that kids want to engage in they don't want to feel like mental health is a drag they don't school doesn't work for so many of them so how do we make it so exceptional for them that they want to engage I love that you said that because I think that's what, you know, my sister's a great example, right? When she, she hates going to the doctors mm. because it just looks all a bit scary, right? She's like, yeah. I feel like I'm rocking up. They're going to give me a needle of some sort. There's, it's just a scary environment. Mm. And I think for kids to be confronted with, firstly, their own feelings and, and not really understand what's happening within their headspace, mm. but then to, for it to be treated so clinically sometimes, yeah. it's really hard for them to take on board everything that's happening and in a world where, you know, our phones are literally in our pockets nonstop, they're always there and, and digital media is in front of our face with social media, music, television, mm. movies, which is also accessible now with Netflix and these mm. streaming services. I was actually interested listening to you just then touch on your husband's experience mm. at Warner Brothers and he's come into the business, mm. the digital side of things. Mm. With this shift... You know, have you guys spoken about the way that modern day TV, music, like if we're getting into, say, these schools and affecting children at such mm -hmm. an early age now, do you think that will really inspire the next generation to, in their creative pursuits, tackle these issues within music, within pop culture? Look, absolutely. I don't think the schools, the education system of Australia is not ready to revamp um, and they won't be ready 
probably ever, right? They're going to keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. So I think it's up to um, organisations that have got a really forward way of thinking um, and, and and a way to engage with young people. Because let's face it, you know, if you want to take the stigma out of mental health, you have to stop making it look, as you said, clinical. So if you want to in, embed these um, these daily tools into a young person's life, they've got to They've got to love um, interacting with the brand. They've got to love interacting with the way that you do things. And it's the reason why our retreats are so popular. You know, we'll take young people. So say, for example, we take our teen girls to Byron Bay and they are completely immersed in nature. They don't have their phones on them. They are doing their friendship um, sessions in a beautiful teepee. They, you know, there's there's fire breathers and um, belly dancing and all sorts of experiences that they get to be a part of and through those experiences we teach them what they need to know and so I've been I've always been a big believer in in give someone what they want and then through that give them what they need yeah I love that so create experiences for people and through experiences people will come they will want to they will want to engage and so one of the things that we strive to do at Beautiful Minds is have experiences when we teach a young girl who's seven or eight how to be mindful and to sit peacefully, we do a flower crown. That's how we teach them. Okay. When we teach them confidence and having conversations with new people, we do that with circus performers through music therapy and hula hooping. So everything has got a little bit of a fantasy element to it so that it's magical and that people walk away feeling like they've had such a special experience with us, but the learnings have been embedded. You know what's all a bit confusing and scary? Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old, super relatable, and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com or find the link in the show notes. Now you may be hearing that and wondering, well, once I've identified the right property, what do I do? If it's a house that you've found, it's important you know the ins and outs of the property. A few issues can quickly add up, leaving you well over budget with a ton of work to do. To ensure that's not the case, it's advised that you seek the professional opinion of a building and pest inspector. Greg and Sharon Flood are the owners of Inspect Wollongong. Their job to provide you with a building and pest report, identifying the good and the bad in each property, and giving you the necessary advice to move forward. Keen property investors themselves, Greg and Sharon love helping anyone, who's keen to get into the market. And it all begins with a home that will stand the test of time. Get in touch with Inspect Wollongong via the contact details in the show notes. While we're on the property train, it's a great opportunity to talk about my next sponsor. If you're looking at purchasing an apartment or selling one, you may be familiar with the idea of a strata report. It's the document that outlines all the good, the bad and the ugly within the body corporate's financial plans and all the issues that need to be addressed before you put pen to paper on a sales contract. But how do you organize that and who does it for you? 
Well, that's where Coastal Strata comes in. They are your go-to service in New South Wales, providing reports, bylaws and renovation approvals. For all their services, head to coastalstrata.com.au or find the link in the show notes. That's really interesting to hear. I think we are so stimulated in this modern era Mm. that we need something to do all the time. It's really hard. You know, personally, I find it really hard to sit still. My meditation is like going for a long run. Perfect. Where I just get my time to myself, but I'm being stimulated through exercise. Yeah. I think I love that idea Mm. because it's also people touch back on experiences. They find things Mm. they love. And it becomes their anchors in everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to hear, as someone who is, you know, working with children and building these programs for kids, Mm. how do you then transfer, is a lot of this just transferable into your own life? Absolutely. You know, in order to give someone what we call that success identity, they've got to have rituals and tools that they do every day. So we're big believers in the fact that you brush your teeth twice a day, hopefully. Um, Yeah, Yeah, you eat breakfast, lunch, dinner you got to sleep every single night at hopefully the same time or roughly the same time. Those things that we just do without even thinking because we've been taught from a very young age, we should then add in the additional things that we do. So perhaps we do the calm palm, which we teach to beautiful minds when you're feeling overwhelmed, um, that there should be some essential oils in your daily rituals, that you are going to bed and waking up at the same time, that you're eating healthy food, you're drinking lots of water, you have one day a week where you don't use your phone at all, you've got that digital detox, yeah? Um, and so there's family time together where you sit and you ask each other questions, there's writing in your journal, there's lots of things that you can do. And it, it, it doesn't have to be hard work. You know, for me, my biggest way of taking time out is going into my garden and cutting flowers. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful, yeah. Um, but just going and being amongst nature. So there's things that you can do every single day from a self-care point of view that we're trying to educate our parents to implement into the home. So it just becomes second nature. Can I ask, how hard is it to educate parents who have maybe grown up in a different time. Yeah, sure. And, you know, because that's one thing I'm, like I said, I'm blessed. My parents had a life-shifting experience with the birth of myself and my health condition Mm -hmm. that really opened their mind to what they needed to do to support a kid Mm -hmm. with a chronic illness. And I think they flourished. Mm -hmm. They, you know, I give them 10 out of 10s for everything. They've done so well with me and my younger sister. And I just think I look at some parents, though, and, Maybe because that old school mentality of, oh, you know, toughen up, you'll be right. Mm-hmm. You chat less. You, I guess, it's there's less affection than there are these days, you know. Mm-hmm. I sit, I was sitting with my nan and pop the other day and they find it funny how, like, at the end of a grand final, all the boys are giving each other a big hug and a kiss. They're like, that never happened back in the day. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. so different. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's so comfortable with affection and, and showing compassion now. Mm-hmm. So how do you then go into that older generation or that generation of parents great question and embed these ideas into their mind too i think you know someone's got to be open to learning and and open to to change um and i think that comes through the social media messages that we send out the newsletters the parent nights that we offer at schools um we're doing an amazing parent evening in january with dr bessel van der kolk which is all around trauma how do you how do you uh, find that the the you know um, the signs that someone's going through trauma within the home and how do you address it as a parent? Um, and look at the end of the day, 
you can't choose the family that are given to you. And so if you're in a situation where perhaps mum, dad, stepdad, carer is a certain way and they, they're not you know, they're not open to change. We have to take responsibility for ourselves at some stage in yeah. life where we go, how do we want to be? And what are the things that we want to bring into our world? And so, you know, you may not be in a family where I wasn't in a family where we were taught how to deal with overwhelm and there was candles going and lavender oil. And, you know, I wasn't in that family. I just decided at a certain point when I was struggling with anxiety that I wanted that in my world. And I just, I just kind of started adding that in. Um, and for a lot of people, it doesn't happen for a long time, but I think as human beings, we, we give our power away too easily. And we actually forget that we're, we're in control of who we are and we're in control of how we choose to move through our day every single day. And when we get up in the morning and we, the very first thing we do is we look at our social media and we look at our, our phones, we're instantly handing over that power to everyone else's agenda in socials, right? Yeah. So choose to start your day in a certain way that supports you personally and do little things throughout the day that makes your day um, amazing for you. It's not that hard. I agree. You touched on there your anxiety growing up. Mm. You've obviously tackled that and handled it. And, mm. you know, a conversation we spoke about in some recent chats with, with guests was this idea of really conquering your own demons mm. and owning up to what you've got to sort out yourself before you can help others. You Absolutely. truly got to help yourself before you help mm. others. Mm. Do you think that sometimes parents are so loving and so protective of their children they're trying to help their children before they maybe help themselves. And that's where that disconnect is. Yeah, look, look absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's, there's always that um, when people think about the airlines, you know, when, 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 we're, when we were flying back before COVID and they talk about the, the oxygen mask, you, you know, fitting, yeah. fitting your own oxygen mask before you fit anyone else's. That's a really lovely way to remind yourself about how it works in life in general. You cannot, I think that's been my frustration with watching a lot of um, influencers on, on Instagram. They're, they're out there every single day, intentionally good, trying to give advice and support other people, but yet they're not quite healed with their yeah. own journey. And I think what there needs to be a really good mix of storytelling and story sharing, but it's got to be backed with, with clinical uh, work has got to be backed with absolute facts and and solid concrete foundation and I think that's where we do pride ourselves at Beautiful Minds as being very different to a lot of these organizations that are out there is that we're not just sharing stories we are we're also making incredible experiences but we're working with the best people in the world to be able to ensure that when your child comes to us they get the best content possible. You know when I first announced that you were coming on the show I had a local girl um, actually message me on Instagram and she said she attended one of your workshops in her late teens oh. and couldn't speak more highly of you. Oh. Um, she said so many great things. And it was actually really nice for me heading into this to hear that, to yeah, hear that experience wonderful. firsthand mm. from someone. But do you have to pinch yourself sometimes? You know, like you've been working for children with 17 years now mm. and mm. this business is obviously building and it's flourishing. I, I can't imagine just how much gratitude you have and how exciting this is to see this go to such a scale that now you help so many? 
Do you know what I love? You know what is the the most special part of this business is now being able to, because I'm still connected to a lot of students that started with me 16, 17 years ago. And what I love now is seeing these young people become parents, become doctors, become incredible members of the community and where their lives have gone. And I've had some really tough cases of kids that have come through um, the Beautiful Minds uh, sessions over the years and just seeing some of those kids come out of it in the best possible way um, and how their lives have sort of flourished. And I think, yeah, I have gratitude every single day that I get to do this work, but I just feel like I'm only warming up. Um, I think. You know, I'm 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 in my my 40s now, and I just feel a lot more grounded. Uh, I think Brendan and and myself, uh, you know, obviously being life partners, but also partners in business, we're stronger together. And so the business has just he's added so much value to the business that I could never have brought to the business. Um, and don't tell him that. I probably I, yeah. I pr- probably should be a lot. I probably should tell him that a lot more often. Um, but no, he's wonderful. And so it, it's the team that we've got around us. And we do have some extraordinary stuff planned for 2021. So I just, I'm itching to do more. Yeah. And I'm itching to get out to the whole world. Uh, and I think the time is right now. So it's it's exciting. It's not only the founder, but the CEO of Beautiful Minds. Do you ever see, a, I guess, a point in time where you step back and, and allow it to keep growing or do you Have think you'll met? always yeah <laughs> control because I, I think I can just see you as a person that will always be involved and I will and yeah. do you feel like that's because you, you're obviously so passionate about it but you have such an anchor to wanting this to go in the right place Absolutely. and wanting this to grow yeah. That you're going to need to steer that ship. You'll need to be the captain. Look, I'm fiercely ambitious. I always have been. Um, and uh, ambitious is not, you, you know, it's, it's got nothing to do with money. It's how do you take something that you've grown from your garage and turn it into the best possible thing that you can so that you leave the most outstanding legacy. So for me, I, I, a legacy is really important. And um, I have no view ever of, um, of sitting back and just... I, I, I am a workaholic. It's one of the problems I will put my hand up and say mm. that, that I have because I love what I do. So on a Sunday, I'm thinking about the business. At midnight, I'm thinking about the business because I'm passionate about it. Yeah. And so when you go at it because you don't really care about the money and you go at it because you really are genuinely so invested in what it is that you're doing, you never – you there is no work-life balance. That's rubbish. That doesn't exist. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, you do it because you love doing it. And so, no, I hope that I'll still be overseeing it when I'm 80. (laughs) I love that. Where do you see, obviously, you've got big plans for next year, but if you cast your mind forward a little bit more futuristic, look at 10 years' time, where this platform can grow and and how it can be, I guess, a a part of everyday life for most people and especially children. Are there any big plans and big future hopes that are a little bit more at arm's reach? Look, absolutely. I think the digital uh, juggernaut that we're building at the moment is going to be definitely the, it is the next, the next 10 years plan. So we will still continue to do face to face, but I think given the fact that we don't know uh, what COVID is going to do and, and if there's going to be other versions of COVID that come out in the future, we really are future proofing the business. We've done an amazing online program with Stanford University. We have done an amazing online program with Dr. Bissell van der Kolk that's about to launch yeah. on our website. Um, we're also just about to launch a huge partnership with uh, Matt Stefanania. He's a very famous dance uh 
personality in the in the US and he does a lot of dancing you know to kind of work through trauma and he's got over um, 17 million million followers on on YouTube and so he's built incredible. up this incredible so we're doing a dance academy global dance academy um, that we're offering at beautiful minds That's with so him good. so that launches in about two weeks time but moving forward everything will be digital um, and everything will be available to anyone anywhere um, no matter what their circumstances are because that's the biggest thing that I have um, as a as a stopping point for people getting to our physical workshops is that we get countless emails every single week from Sweden and South Africa and, and London yeah. and they just you know they can't they can't attend so um, for me that's going to be beautiful minds will completely invo- evolve into this digital world can I ask was mm. that digital platform that you're building? Was that a COVID innovation or was that pre-COVID? No, that was pre-COVID, yeah. yeah. So we actually, um, it's not part of the Beautiful Minds website. It's a separate uh, platform that's launching. That we started building uh, in September last year and then we just had some really amazing uh, you know, opportunities come through in the last couple of months that have allowed us to, to do it. Uh, it's all been self-funded. Uh, I think if we if we look at taking it uh, really big, we probably will look for the right investor um, to sort of step in with us and just help us take it to that next level. But we've got the most extraordinary people on our team. You know, we've got just if you look at the Beautiful Minds team now, we, there's there's nothing that we can't achieve with with the minds and the the tools that we've got at our fingertips to do some great things outside of the professionals in the u.s is the team very sydney based it's all over australia actually so when we sort of divide up the 85 um, presenters that work for us they're queensland adelaide canberra victoria um you know pretty much everywhere wa we haven't hit yet just because it's been quite a thing we were we were meant to launch in wa this year but obviously with covid that's been quite a challenge um but for me the drivers you know we do 170 face-to-face workshops a year that's 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 enormous um for me that the the focus is keeping keeping that going because we know the quality is amazing but then it's digital moving forward i love that yeah outside of business and outside of all of this i know you'd have very limited time Mm. But as a human being, to give everyone an idea of who you are and, mm. and who the face behind the business actually is, give us a little bit of an insight into your life. What are the daily rituals, the mm. things you love to do? Yeah. So I'm obsessed with my garden. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that I love to do first thing in the morning is I walk out here um, at about, you know, I, we get up really early. So we get up at about five in the morning. Same as me. Grab, do you? Yeah, early yeah. bird, 4.45 Best every day. Thing. yeah. Best thing. Isn't it? The whole you just world feel like you've been... beaten the day. You do feel like you've beaten the day. And it's just so still. There's just something quite magical, you know, magic about it. So normally make a cup of herbal tea, head out into the garden, and I just sit and I'm just still. Um, we've got a beautiful uh, six-month-old kitten called Inti who would normally be running around here. I think she's hiding. <laughs> um, so I love spending time with animals. Um, Brendan and I walk uh, a lot as well it's beautiful we've got water just on our doorstep so we get to go down to the beach quite a lot which is just really peaceful um love having friends over we both are mad about being in a kitchen and cooking and uh it's been unfortunate this year i haven't been able to get up and see my family they're in queensland yeah which has been really really hard you know for someone who normally sees her parents every single month i think that's yeah. been um 
a lot of people have had a lot worse than, than I have, but I've really missed seeing them face to face. Um, but then in terms of, you know, what I enjoy doing, I think for me, when I'm, when I'm off, I have one, um, day or half a day of every single week where I'll just take as complete downtime. And I just love to read. I keep it pretty simple. I was going to ask, I was going to say, you take me as someone who reads a lot. You're very well spoken, Yeah. obviously very intelligent. Is there a book? And I'm not, I'll admit, I'm not much of a reader. I tried, yeah. but I'm such a listener. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I, I need to work on not being as stimulated all the time yeah. and yeah. sitting and relaxing yeah. and just not looking at my phone. Mm. But is there mm. a book that you think is almost, I guess, life-changing or in some way, shape or form, super motivating and, and will drive someone into a great headspace or just something you really enjoy reading it's one of those ones that you go back to all the time when you feel like you need that little up. Yeah, look, there's 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 so many. Um, there's so many. I think I went on a, a spiritual journey from probably about the age of 16. And the very first book that my mum bought me was a Louise Hay book, You Can Heal Your Life. And I think that I revert back to that quite a lot um, yeah. because I think that it is about taking the power back with you. You know, when you're talking about physically what is, what is um, you know, unsettled in your body at the moment what do you need to work on and so I think as human beings we we disconnect our body a lot from what's going on so we sort of say you know we're sick we've we've got this going on we're just going to go to a doctor and get a pill well it's really about what are the emotions that are kind of coursing through your blood that are allowing you to feel that way and so I think um Louise Hay's work has always uh, really resonated with me I love the alchemist um I love that was my first one it was in it? a long time. Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Have you Can, read that one? I haven't, no. no. Can I be honest? The Alchemist was probably the trigger. So I got the Alchemist. My mum gave me the Alchemist. I kept hearing people talk about it. It was Kobe Bryant's favorite book. Mm. There were so many mm. people talking about this book. Mm. I remember saying to my mum, who enjoys reading, I said, Mum, have you ever heard of the Alchemist? And she said, I got a copy. And I was in hospital at the time. It was last year when I had a really shifting two weeks of my life. Mm-hmm. Probably the two most defining weeks of my life in a long time where I started to really sit down, assess my situation, what I wanted to do to change and really drive towards happiness and mm-hmm. give purpose, you know, create purpose as my North Star. Mm-hmm. And she gave me that book and I didn't read it. And it wasn't until about January I picked that book up. It was sitting in my cupboard the whole time at home. I still haven't given it back to her sitting in my cupboard and I picked it up and I was starting work at like seven in the morning and I just felt, you know, as we're talking about before, driven to succeed, but, um, I guess not happy, not purposeful. And I used to go and I used to start working at seven in the morning, but I'd get there 15 minutes before at the cafe I used to work from. And I'd sit and I'd read this book for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm. And I reckon it was the trigger to quit my job. Mm. I sat there after and I thought, I need to do something about my situation now or I never will. Mm. And I love that book. Mm. I pick that up and read that any day Mm. and I've recommended it to so many people. So the other book that I love, which is not just because I'm not plugging him because we work with him, but Dr. Bissell van der Kolk has written a number. It's New York times, um, number one book for forever, um, called the body keeps the score. And last week, Oprah did a, a, a post about, Uh, World Mental Health Day and she chose her favorite book when it came to dealing with trauma and it was his book Wow! and it's an exceptional book which just talks about you know how if you don't heal trauma how it makes you unwell physically unwell 
Um, and I think as human beings, it's it's uh, it, it's a book that every single one of us should read because we've all gone through trauma in some shape yeah. or form. Um, we're all dealing with something every single day. You know, I think as as someone who's struggled with anxiety it never completely goes. You will always find that if you don't eat well, sleep well, drink enough water, do all the things you should be doing, it's it's going to push on that again, right? Yeah. So um, that's also another book that I love. But no, I do. I read a, I read a lot all the time. Definitely something <laughs> I've got to do more of. I want to finish on two things. The first thing, and I think the most important thing of this whole podcast is if we've got a kid sitting at home right now listening to this or a parent or someone who just wants to be involved, mm. whether that be from attending a workshop or being involved in some sort of um, program with you guys, or maybe even someone that just wants to get in touch to maybe work with you, because you seem like that kind of character that I can imagine people are throwing resumes at you all the time. How are they going to do that? Best thing is to go to our website, beautifulminds.com.au, and it's so much nicer to look at the website on a desktop because yeah. there's it's such a big bold beautiful website and you can see the full scale of who we are and what we do and we'll put that link in the bio of the show so awesome the last thing just some words i always i like to ask some of my wiser guests Mm. for some words of wisdom for the listeners just maybe something you remind yourself of all the time when you feel a little bit lost or off path I think just be kinder to yourself. I think people expect that everything's going to happen overnight. I think we expect as human beings that we should be uh, happy and, and peaceful every single day. And there are days where it's just not possible. And just be nicer to yourself. You know, we're so good and supportive of our friends and people around us that we love, but we never give ourselves that same advice and that same respect. And I think if we can talk to ourselves a bit more like a, a best friend and start to curb that inner bully we would have greater results because we really are able to tap into the best parts of who we are and, uh, and you know, allow yourself the opportunity every single day to just find uh, moments about who you are as a human being that you're proud of and things that you really want to kind of shine a light on. And uh, that, that would be my greatest reminder to everyone. You are doing an incredible job. I love what you're doing. I love what you've built at Beautiful Minds. I will be following the journey and I'm sure I'm going to look back on this podcast one day and go, I can't believe I had Marina on the show before everything went global and crazy. You can talk to me again then. Yeah, I will. I will. Thank you so much for coming on. I think this is something I really wanted to get out to the world. So I'm very appreciative. Thank you for having me on. My pleasure.